1: welcome back to the tuesday night podcast jeff erickson here with fred zinke and we are going to cover five early round players that fred zinke thinks that you'll be a total idiot to draft okay maybe not that strongly spoken that and a lot more coming up on the Wire fantasy baseball podcast Hey everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke after a long cold winter. It's still cold in Toronto and it's pouring rain here, so it's kind of winter here. Uh, How are you doing, Fred Zinke?
2: I'm good, and it hasn't been that cold in Toronto. It has been unusually warm this winter. Um, I have not shoveled my driveway yet. Wow. Isn't that wild, eh? It is wild. And I'm not going to for the next, I don't know, who knows, like at least week to 10 days.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So it's
2: it's above the freezing mark like every good for day. You. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it.
1: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet Not a skier. So no. Yeah. Um let's talk jump right into it. Let's talk a lot of baseball here. Uh we'll talk Toronto at some point. We'll talk Reds at some point. But uh want to just get right into it here and lessons that we've learned for 2023, uh that you're ready to apply to this season. Number one from you is get enough power. So I'm asking you, Fred, to define that for me. What is what does it mean to get enough
2: power? I guess I haven't totally put a number to it. Um, I should probably do that before I start drafting. But that's a more of a personal thing for me. Is that last year most of my teams' their weakest category was, was the home runs category, not no always the RBI category, because you can have right you can have a team that just accumulates RBI through you know just a lot of plate appearances, but but doesn't. But for most of my teams, they finished they're low whether they finished poorly in home runs or average in home runs but most of them their worst category was home runs um so for me personally i need to draft more home runs this year um i also found home runs fairly hard to find on the waiver wire in mm-hmm. comparison to steals which was a change with just with the extra steals last year i found you could find some guys i felt like who could steal you a base next week but maybe not power hitters um So I just think for me, the takeaway is like, you have to review your last year's teams. Like for someone else, it could be totally the opposite where they finished poorly in steals last year, or maybe they finished poorly in saves or strikeouts or who knows. But uh, for me, it was home runs. So this year, uh, hopefully, just even we are, I'm already starting. So like, like, we'll maybe get to this at some point, but we were just picking like our labor draft spots, which is in two weeks from tonight. Uh, we were picking those through email today. And uh, in Tout Wars, I picked my draft spot uh, yesterday. It's It starts two weeks from today. So just even me starting to think about those things, I started to look at, like, how can I get some base of power in the early rounds? Which I don't think means, like, I have to start my draft with Judge and Alonzo or something, but some base of power in the early
1: rounds. Right. Um, and, I, you know, what I think that does mean, too, is maybe that you sacrifice – a top line closer or you go with, you know, three starters instead of four in the first 12 rounds or whatever. Um, I I think that's what it translates. You definitely don't go and get like the stolen base only guys. You maybe don't draft Estuary Ruiz instead draft somebody else that has a modicum of power and get your steals elsewhere. Um, because it's tough to, it's, when you don't get enough power, you know, or at least if, unless you're getting like the dominant power guys at the top, it's really tough to make up for the lack of, you know, we're a roster spot where you're getting zero power from it.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I didn't have a lot of the esther Ruiz or types. I did have Nico Horner on a lot of teams, which is mm-hmm. a lot of speed and not much power. Um, I felt like I had like a lot of really balanced guys, but no sluggers and like maybe I needed like at least one or two sluggers in there with a lot of balance guys. I tended to come out ahead in steals. Okay. Um, yeah. I just, I had maybe a lot of like 15, 15 type guys even later in my draft, but just never like instead of a fifteen fifteen guy, like never just like a kind of a one dimensional 30 Homer guy or something later. in the draft. Like I had no Jorge Soler types. Instead I'd have a bunch of 15, 15 guys and those 15, 15 guys are probably just as valuable as Jorge Soler, but just maybe slanted too much towards steals most of my teams finished right. maybe didn't win steals but we're pretty close to it
1: well and that that's just the thing is with the the stolen base environment where more st- it took more steals to get our points in categories yeah you you become more cognizant of that in the draft but in almost like you can become too cognizant of it you know chris liss always used to say when a category is plentiful you you need more of it but at the same time And man, you, you, you just, you, if you focus on it there too much, I feel like you're, you're sometimes costing yourself. So, and plus home run guys, the other takeaway is power guys, home run guys. They can, they can, every home run is a three category event, four category event. It helps your batting average too, uh, where every stolen base is a one category event, maybe one and a quarter. If you, it helps you get a run scored, but we've seen plenty of high stolen base guys that don't score a ton of runs either. So, I, I try to avoid the
3: pure stolen based harvest. I say this all the time, but
1: and then I end up wondering why I'm short in steals. <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, I, you know, I think it's an interesting take there, and I, I actually I have to uh, set like so, some targets there. I have to do my annual
3: article on NFPC uh, fifteen and twelve team targets for you know 80th percentile, 70th percentile, 50th percentile. I'll do that. I know there's some people and other other people out there that do that too, but I still like to do it. When I just so I know doing the, putting in the work myself helps me kind of conceptualize what I need. And I need to get on that. So that's what I'm going to probably do this week.
1: Uh, I'll say one lesson for me is,
3: uh, you know, similar. I, I, I take two years ago, I had some main event teams that did very well. And I always had good starting pitching in those things. Um, last year, I felt like I was short. Like I was always trying to stream pitchers, Streaming pitchers was a disaster last year. So I, me, it's, I can't get enough good starting pitching early. I might take one closer, or maybe I'll take two and just and at the draft and worry about fabbing more later and making sure that I have <laughs> seven to ten starters coming out of the draft that I can com- comfortably use. And, and maybe seven, you know, six to seven ones that are almost evergreen, and you know, three or four more that I can screen you know, in, in according to the matchup instead of doing it where I'm trying to find them off the waiver wire, start with more starting pitching
2: yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Like again, like if that was a weakness for you last year. So you, Jeff, I'm assuming you still did your own projections this off season.
1: Yeah. Well, yes. With the caveat that we start, I, I, we have it automated to get three year weighted averages as a starting point. Gotcha. And then I can play around with it from there. But obviously it. like a prospect that's played one year, that's not going to do any good. So I spent more time going through all those earlier on too. I'm still, but I'm still tweaking it a lot. Um, I, you know, every day, if you go to our projection changes pages, you'll see uh, that there's been a lot of changes made.
2: Yeah. Yeah. we well, have yeah, This time of year for sure. So what I was going to say about that is, um, like you and I've talked about this in the past, but um, like if you use, if you make your own projections and if you use SGPs, um, what I really had to rethink, and this would be the same with you for the pitchers. Um, I really had to think like what my SGPs were for each category. Yeah. Because what, now you and I have played this game for so long. So, so like, for example, like in, for me in hitting, the Steels environment had changed over the years where the Billy Hamilton types kind of disappeared. And then Mm -hmm. the Steels bar became super low. Um, So my SGPs had to change with it because there were very few Steels. So a few Steels makes up, you know, more difference in the category, but then now there's more Steels again. So I think I didn't keep up with that well last year with my SGPs. So what I ended up doing is going back and looking at my my old which is cool that you can do this um i went back and looked at my old spreadsheets from 10 years ago and 12 years ago and things like that when the offensive environment oh nice had more steals and i looked at what my sgps were for steals for home runs etc for batting average for rbis back in those days so i actually went back and looked at like my first or season and the spreadsheet i had made for that and and then like again looked up 2012 2011 i think was my first one 2012 13 14 and then so what i need to really do is recalibrate how i rated players for this offensive environment and it's the same thing for pitching like eras are up a little bit whips are up a little bit because of some of the rules so you have to change like how you're assessing hitters and how you're assessing pitchers to make sure like, I think one of my problems last year is I had hitters too much valued for an offensive environment that lasted from, I don't know, say like 2018 to 2022, mm-hmm. when there were hardly any steals and a fair amount of power, you know, um, think about 2019, the happy fumble year, like all those home runs, right. but not many steals. So, um, I think one of the things for, for those who do use. Whether they do their own projections or whether they just grab Steamer or something like that, like if you're going to use any sort of weighting to it, you have to make sure you're weighting it for this offensive environment and not the one that we had prior to 2023.
1: I have to say though, this spring is like their first normal spring in it's like, forever. It's amazing. Um, it so there's by. no like there are some like minor tweaks of the rules, but there's yeah. no major rule changes this yeah. year. There's no lockout. There's no shortened season. There's no happy fun ball that that we're coming off of. We know um, right well yeah it might yeah. we might get a might happy get a new, fun ha- get a new happy fun ball yeah but we have we, we weren't we're not coming off of a season of happy fun ball um yeah.
2: so this was, the, yeah. this was the most i've enjoyed doing my projections maybe in a few years for that reason like i felt like i could take last season mm-hmm. look at a 162 game landscape and then project the landscape to be similar so now it was just looking at each player and how I felt like the player might be different this year. But yeah, like we we've talked about like whether it was shortened seasons or, um, or, you know, changes in rules or whatever baseball changes, like it just felt like we could never have two years in a row that were similar. Um, Maybe we will this year. The players won't be similar, but the MLB, you know, run scored.
1: The environment will hopefully be very similar. similar. Hopefully. Yeah, uh, that's right. Question in the uh, good, good question from Uncle Ted in the chat room. What's the difference between making projections and just building your draft queue? Um, I I think that's, you know, a lot of people, most people don't do their own projections. And maybe, and I know like colleagues in the, industry, some colleagues in the industry think that's a waste of time to do projections, like Ray Flowers, for instance, uh, has made that case. Or at least uh, certainly... I think there's a danger in being overly reliant on a projection because a projection is just one fixed number. Um, And it's a starting point for a conversation. And I feel like that's one of the problems I might have is I get like too rigidly adhered to like, you know, my projection and my valuation formula and the, you know, the ranking that spits out as opposed to just ranking the players. And, you know, either way you got to do your own rankings. And I think that's important that you do have your own cue, Ted. I think that's good that you do that. But I think there is a difference there, you know, you know, letting your like, do your projection, do your projections drive your rankings or do your rankings drive your projections?
2: Oh, my projections drive my rankings because without my projections, like it's hard to rank the players just by eye, you know, Mm -hmm. like player, you know what I mean? Like player X is, you you think is going to hit 30 home runs to steal seven bases and and player Y you think is going to hit 15 home runs to steal 12 bases or something you know what I mean and then you're like how do those compare and then again you throw in the other categories and um agreed that you can't get too married with your projections because obviously they're not perfect um right. and, and someone if someone said for me to me for example like Fred you can't project players better than steamer you might as well just use the steamer projections for example or the bat or whatever mm-hmm. okay sure maybe Um, for me it's the process in creating projections like by the end of creating my projections which takes me like a month you know from maybe like around Christmas until late January um, and then tweaking them all the way through from now until opening day like you get to know the player pool so well so like before I can project any player I have to look what were his stats the last few years, like, like, and then beyond that, what was his hard hit rate or average exit velocity or all these things, right? His his injury mm-hmm. history. And then you, and then I come up with projections for him and are the projections. Perfect. No, but the process has allowed me every off season, to refamiliarize myself with every single player in the draft pool. Right. And, and, how and especially with
1: players year. that are new to the draft pool or yes. relatively new. Yes. Um, you know it was guys that get the call up or you know what's worse is trying to get guys that uh you know haven't hit the majors yet you know players from foreign yeah. leagues the, your blue jays have a guy uh ramirez i mean excuse me rodriguez the pitcher out of that's from cuba that has spent some time in japan didn't pitch anywhere last year um trying to fashion a projection for that guy pretty impossible. That's, that's a fool's errand because I don't sure. even know what his role is gonna be. They say they want him to start, but he hasn't even taken a physical yet. He you know, they they they're also fending off trade offers for Manoa. And if Manoa's a starter, there's no room in the rotation. You know, point is like for AL Tower Wars, I need to know that guy. If I'm in a 10 yeah. team home mixed league home league, I don't need to know that guy, at least right away. But the problem is I'm doing it for different different uh universes there, and we're going through like 800 to a thousand players. And then you're like, oh, oh, I don't know about that. Um, and so that's where I think sometimes like, oh, well, maybe I just don't want to draft him now. So I'll do a projection that's a little bit lower in the rankings a little bit there. Or maybe it's the other way around. Like, I didn't realize this guy rates that high for me all of a sudden. I didn't think I'd be that high on him. But here, here he is. I'll give you an example. Matt McLean. My projection on him had me way above where he was going and where I even had him a little bit. And I was like, but the same thing is like, I look at the number, I look at the projection. I'm like, yeah, well, I still like him. I mean, maybe I'll temper that a little bit. I know yeah. I can get him a little later, but oh, okay. Well, when if I if he's sitting there at pick fifty for me, well, I'm going to take him there.
2: Yeah, uh, and one of the first things once I'm done my initial run through of projections, so take that month or so, and and do say five six hundred players. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing I do is compare my projections to the early NFBC ADP. And I look and then I go back. The, the very next thing I do is I go back and take a second look at all the players who I'm especially high on. So I yes. look and I'm and I'm like, okay, who do I have? And it's as simple as just on the spreadsheet. I have them all ranked, you know, from first to last, how valuable I think they are. I put the NFBC ADP in, in one of the columns and I'm like, okay, who sticks out? And then I go back and double check those players to see like, okay, did I miss something? Right. The market's pretty smart. Right. So if I'm way at a line on someone, I'm like, and that, you know, we'll talk later, I think about the Reds infield. And so for example, someone like Matt McLean, you know, do I see playing time competition for certain players or a crowded situation? Do I want to lower their for some, like the foundation of your projections is first of all is playing time. So yes. that wouldn't apply really to Matt McLean, but it did apply to Christian and strand when I started looking at, at Reds, for example, and how crowded that infield was. Um, so like, like all though so that that's my next step always is to see who am I out of line with the you know with the industry on and do I am I comfortable with that and some years there'd be certain players where I'm like yeah I'm comfortable I'm going to I'm going to have this guy in like 80% 70% of my teams because I see something I see better than what the industry's seeing um, And then there's players who I see way worse than the industry does um you know and so I think that like all that whole process it takes time but it's time well spent like for me yeah. if i didn't do all those things i just don't know what i would do like just sit and like randomly look at players and start moving them around to rank them like that feels so inexact um so kind of just willy-nilly um
1: and then I you probably remember. find yourself slayed to adp when you do that too because then i, think I would just...
2: either do my own projections or almost just do nothing and just yeah. take the streamer projections and stick them into a spreadsheet and use the SGP or you know what I mean or grab a calculator like from Rotowire that says this is how much these guys are worth and I'm like okay well I'll just use that and wiggle them around for my own likes and dislikes or whatever so Mm -hmm. I just feel like if you're going to do it if you're going to get to know these players then let's let's go all the way let's get to know them all the way with understanding that my projections may not be better than ones you can get you know readily available at sites like Rotowire but um, through the process now I know why I want to draft a certain player
1: Indeed, indeed. We're going to talk a little LABR and our draft spots for the mixed labor draft. That is coming up, Fred, in two weeks on February 20th. Um, so we'll be talking about that. But before we do that, got to share uh, news with our good, uh, from our good sponsor, Fantrax. And Fantrax, by the way, is going to be sponsoring all of our uh, draft season podcasts. We're big big fans of uh, them. We thank them for their sponsorship. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experiences for your Dynasty, Keeper, Redraft, and Best Ball Leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. In fact, I'm in a Stratomatic League. We're moving over to Fantrax this year, and it's, it's a crazy league. It's 30 teams. We go mega deep uh, and they can handle it. It's, it's really kind of awesome that they do that there. So very in-depth player pool. I mean, they, they handle all these dynasty leagues. So they got all sorts of minor league players in there. Uh, customizable for that. Uh, Tout Wars uses them for live drafts as well for a live online drafts. A uh, lot of uh, custom- customization that they offer. Waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule, you name it, they offer it and it's all free sign up for free today and be entered to win an official mlb signed jersey from for uh, Vladimir guerrero jr simply go to fantrax.com slash rotowire and sign up today that's fantra com slash rotowire fantrax the home of fantasy sports all right guys um we're talking about labr first of all thank you again fantrax for your sponsorship We did the we started the Kentucky Derby style method of of finding our draft slots today, Fred. And I had the third choice. The top two choices went one, two. I was uncreative. I went with the third pick. You had the sixth choice. The the people intervening went five and six. So you had the opportunity to go right next to me. And sure enough, you did. You're right next to me. You're in the fourth slot. It's going to make for a great uh, live draft. We're going to do like I think what we've done the last two years will continue to do, where we uh, live stream our draft, at least the first part of it there. Um and we're gonna be sniping each other left and right.
2: Yeah, pretty much. So are your projections, are they publicly available? Can I just grab those and then yeah, you can. in the in the second, fourth, sixth, and eighth rounds, I'll just grab the, the sure. guys.
1: Sure. And them. you know I I rigidly adhere to them. Um so because <laughs> there's no nuance else. in a categorical league. It's straight could value, you, baby. Straight butter. imagine
2: after all the hours I spent on my own projections just grabbing someone else's and that would be uh that would probably be not the right means to an end for me. So no, I think you, I think you taking the third pick uh, made sense. Um, Like, I think that's fine. We'll see if the third picks go the same as they do say on the NFBC ADP with Acuna, Witt and Rodriguez. We'll see. There's some really good guys. Like there's that next tier of Betts and Carroll. I think it
1: changes right at two. I think everybody's got a different two, two or three. Like, yes. Yeah. um, Yeah. I'll I'll tell you, no, know, Rodriguez is my two, but I can, okay. the case for Carol. I can see the case for Carroll. I can see the case for Witt. I could see the case for Strider. I, I really yep. could. Yep. Um, but by taking three, I'm kind of, kind of committed to not taking Strider there. So we'll see how yep. I'm going to handle pitching. Uh, I, I did a uh, NFBC platform uh, draft Champions League with all the f- speakers in First Pitch Arizona. Right, the seventh spot where I took Strider. So uh, I've already got one share of Strider somewhere there. I'll tell you what. Life is so nice when you have Spencer Strider and his two hundred and fifty plus strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it'll it opens up the door to do a lot of different things, but yeah. it also opens up the door to have a uh, you know a, a player that can go five categories on offense too.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and Strider's kind of a man on an island right now. it's like the only first round you know lock pitcher this year, um, which is kind of unusual. I, mm-hmm. I think I, I was I wasn't surprised. I know you like picking in the middle. Um, I do too. I do. It, so I wasn't surprised you took third, but I wouldn't have been shocked to see you take seventh or something like that. And there's there is a lot of depth of hitting this year. Like you look at the guys going in the middle, like Kyle Tucker, Freeman, uh, Tatis, Soto, like those guys all go like from six to ten. So those guys are all really good. Like Yeah, they are. Like there's not much separating them. Julio Rodriguez is is cool because he's really young and has already had a couple good seasons but those other guys are all really good too so um i kind of wondered if you would take in the middle and then when it came to me five one two three five and six were gone so i kind of debated four or seven right do i want to sit in the middle or do i want to go earlier right Um, in the end it wasn't the first round that swayed me to go earlier it was more that i was interested in being around the two three turn i just liked well, at least on the ADP list, I kind of liked a lot of the players that went from say about twenty five to thirty five. Yes, so I was like, okay, I'm going to sit in that two three turn and get two of those guys. Um, it wasn't actually about picking fourth. In fact, I didn't really care that much if I picked if I don't get Acuna. Like, I didn't care that much where I picked in the first round. It was it was more about planning out my second and third round.
1: Absolutely, um, absolutely it, agree on that. Yeah, and the thing I, I I'll even go one step farther and say like. I don't think there is much of a difference between picking 22 versus 28. Uh, I, I I think that I'm not losing anything. You know, granted, I think there's structural reasons. And Ariel Cohen, is, and I have talked about this before, about liking the middle for other reasons. Like just the whole concept of bargains tend to slip more towards players in the middle. Uh, because if you're at an end and you you like a player you don't think he's coming back to you you have a tendency to reach for that player or reach for a category or reach for a position Uh, and that allows bargains to fall to people I've seen it happen I've benefited from it before so that was a consideration Um, and that was more more the reason why I would have gone seven or eight if I was going to go that way but I I ultimately decided I, I, I was basing it more on the top three rounds like you said.
2: Yeah, um, the third round was really interesting to me, and that was what ended up swaying my decision. Once you hit about pick 30, uh, uh, by ADP, once you hit about pick 37, like most of the next 10 picks are pitchers. There's a Mm -hmm. a few hitters in there, but they're almost all pitchers. So the second half of the third round is almost all pitchers. So I think I looked at that group and thought, like, do I want to pick seventh, at which point I'm probably taking one of those pitchers in the third round. Yeah. Um, unless I guess, unless one of the few hitters in there, I right, like, I really love, but I just, that was a little bit, I felt like earlier in the third round, I felt like I would have, there were still some hitters I liked based on ADP at that point. And, and then you can always just jump one of those hitters that goes from 37 to 45 and just take them thirty-fourth. That's no, no big deal. So, mm-hmm. um, like it's not a massive reach. So th- that was some of the strategy. I also looked at even the four or five turn and. I think after that, it's pretty much a crapshoot, but I think up to there, the ADP hold, usually holds like a little bit. So, um, you know, we'll see when the actual draft gets started, but it was interesting. Usually it's the first round that drives my decision, but this year it really wasn't because when I was finished my projections, it's like other than Cunha, like, I, like, I guess you could, like, if you really like Wit, I get it. Or Rodriguez, If you think, those guys are really young. So if you think they're going to take like a big step forward again, Witt was pretty great last year too. And, Rodriguez, yeah. in the second, Rodriguez in the second half, not in the first half, but in the second half. But um, based on them being young, you could think they're going to take a big step forward. But but after that, like, man, like, Corbin Carroll's ceiling is, like, really high. It and is. Absolutely. And, and then guys like Betts and Freeman, like, how can you go wrong? They're awesome every year. The Dodgers lineup is great. Like, they're not that old yet. Like, they're maybe right. a little bit past their prime. Like, there's just a lot of options there. Like, like Judge and Soto, like, look like they'll probably be great together, you know, Maybe some health issues with Judge. She's been hurt some years, but like that's a really good pair. Trey Turner's down there. In the second half of the first round. He was a top, top two, three pick last year, right? In most right. leagues, and you can get him way down at twelve. So I didn't feel like after Acuna was gone, I didn't really care that much about where I picked in the first round.
1: Let me, me ask you, how how much of a gap was there between Acuna and your number two player?
2: Like so much. <laughs> so the most,
1: much. the biggest gap I've ever seen between one and me two. Too.
2: Me too. This is the most dominant. There's other years where we've, where the whole industry has agreed kind of that somebody should go first. Um, but but not, not to this degree. Not to this degree. That's it. Right. Not to this degree. I I'd have to go again. I'd have to go back and look at all my old spreadsheets. Um, but yeah, never there's years. I think like where everybody agreed Albert Pujols should go first or something like that, but mm-hmm. uh, not to, yeah, not to this degree. So so
1: I had a total of four SGP difference yeah, between one and two and that translates to almost $13 in, in fantasy value for well, and, and I
2: think last year I think on the because I've been doing a lot of article writing lately I think last year on the earned auction value calculator I think his he was like $25 yeah
1: uh, this was a temp next, this is a tempered projection for me like I've got yeah. him for like 55 stolen bases he had 80 yeah. you know last yeah. year.
2: yeah so so it, it's almost like it's like he will based on projections it's like he's going to finish first if he doesn't get hurt mm-hmm. it's just by how much right. right so um yeah that's how i see it too is he's going to finish first it'll just be whether he finishes first by $5 or $15 or $20 but he is like like a, what's the stat like a third of players spend time on the il like right like he's awesome but he's still a baseball player like he could spend time on the il and not finish first Here's, yeah. here's a fun one is, and I've already at, been asked this in an article, um, to finish first, would you take a Acuna or the field?
1: Um, It's still the field, but it's a lot closer than I've ever answered that. Yeah, for oh, sure. Every point.
2: other year I would take the field without a moment's thought. This year I would still take the field, but because yeah. again, like one high ankle sprain and he misses six weeks or something and, and the yeah. field wins. So, exactly. um, you know, or all of a sudden he just announces this partway through the year. Like, you know, I don't need to steal so many bases. Like I got to pace myself. I got to be a little careful. And all of a sudden he steals 40 and, and the field wins. So like, but anyways, we just, we just haven't seen this where, you know, someone who's maybe not the best hitter in baseball, but really close is also the best base stealer.
1: Yeah. it's really crazy like he's like 100th percentile and like exit velocity (laughs) and you know and not sprint speed by the way but you know still stolen bases and you know pretty much everything everything. else he hits
2: and then he hits lead off and then he hits on the team that scored the most runs last year yeah so in a
1: great ballpark and yeah and they still
2: have like their entire like offense back so you can't even be like well that was last year we'll see like sure we'll see but like they have every piece on that offense that's important locked right. up right you know for a really long time so um yeah i don't know i just see yeah and, and
1: it's, it's one good. thing to say to take the field but it's another thing to identify who that other person is and that that's where the overwhelming odds are usually i, I wouldn't care about i did get a uh a, a, a first pick uh in one of my first NFPCs, an npc 50 12 teamer league um and it's like yeah so i rather have saved that my run good for a main event to be honest with you but then again who knows he, he might get hurt or something like that so who knows um, one thing that uh, we always have to talk about and we'll, we'll, we won't go in like to depth we'll do more broad strokes on this is like what's your closer plan for this year uh, I, and I, I'll address it'll I'll frame it in saying like this I think there are more reliable closers than there have been in a long time. Like, I feel like it's more stability at the position that we've had and then we've had in recent years. So how knowing that, how are you handling closers this year?
2: So I was a little surprised at how early closers have gone. And maybe that's because it's draft champion season. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know. We'll see. Because I, I felt like I said that last year, but then it didn't really change that much. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little surprised because like you said, like last year was like a super stable year for closers compared to what we've seen in a lot of recent years, a lot of closers held their jobs. And then a lot of those closers have now held their jobs through the off season into this year. So we've got a lot of pitchers who were a closer last year and were successful and are back as their team's closer this year. Then on top of that, we've got Edwin Diaz coming back and there's, no real reason to doubt that he can come back. Um, And then we've got some other pitchers, like say Andres Munoz, who are like coming, who we've already established themselves as really good relievers and now look like they're ready to be, like they have a clear path to being the closer. So we've got other guys who you feel like, like maybe they haven't done it, but the skill, they've done it as far as pitching really well as a reliever. Now they just get to do it in the ninth inning. So there's more, I think, comfortable options than they've there ever been. But Mm -hmm. I'm still seeing... A lot of closers in the top fifty or sixty picks. I don't know if I'm going to take any of those. I'm I'm kind of leaning no. I'm not really doing draft champions this year. I'm just going to do a lot of fab leagues, and I'm kind of leaning no on taking all those closers. But
1: I think that's a common sentiment. Um, I will say,
2: so someone's taking them.
1: Yeah, but honestly, they're going around later. Like we saw closers going in the second and third. You know, early third. And Devin Williams is the first closer off the board according to ADP in the last month. And his ADP is 44. And this is 139 drafts. There is, you know, min picks 26, so it still happens, but um he also has a max picks of, of 95. That that seems aberrant, like it's a weird type of league, and that may be throwing things off. Maybe it's uh maybe it's a like uh, what's their format that I'm trying to think of here? Um uh, the their points league format that they have, uh cut line. Right. Maybe it's the cut line that, that that's coming from. If we strip that out, maybe that would change things a little bit there. And that's maybe that's driving that down a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I've been saying that I don't want to start a closer run. I don't want the first take one of the first two or three closers. That means I'm not getting Devin Williams. I'm not getting Edwin Diaz and I'm probably not getting uh, Josh Hader. Um, he, I, I actually have Hader as my number one closer. He's going on average as the number three closer so far, but Either way, I'm probably not going to pay that price. Uh, we'll see. I mean, labor is a different animal. Maybe I'll, you know, because we can we can trade closers. So that actually, actually probably pushes them down for me in value. Not doesn't raise it, but, you know, other leagues, maybe I'll, I'll value it a little bit more.
2: Yeah. I think maybe also part of the reason that, like you said, it's a round difference from like where we were seeing some of them last year to this year. Um, a lot of closers did really well last year. They're, there, there is no healthy closer who got 100 strikeouts, for example, last year. There's just Felix Batista. So, like, there's a lot of closers who had really good years. But, like, and and Devin Williams had a great year in the sense of he got eight wins on top of the 36 saves. I don't think anyone's really getting too who's smart about fantasy baseball getting too caught up in, you know, repeat closers, repeating win totals. Um, so, like, he, he maybe had the best year. He had 87 strikeouts, which is really good, but not... Like what we've seen, like we've seen some years where a closer gets the thirty-five saves and like one hundred and seventeen strikeouts or something like that, and then if you project that again over to the next year or something similar, the rate, like the, the where he ranks on your list, just like blows it out of the blow everyone out of the water. So we don't really have that. Emmanuel Classe had the really high save total, but didn't pitch yeah. that great. Right. Um, you know the other guys at the top of the list, like David Bednar, you're not picking the Pirates closer in the third round of a draft. Like you're just not, he's really, he's good. He's not
1: going that high though. No, he's
2: not. That's what I mean. like, these guys aren't options. These are your save leaders from last year. Yeah. So we just didn't have a guy who last year got like 40 saves and 110 strikeouts. And we've had that some years. Um, We just didn't have that last year. Like I said, like Devin Williams had probably the best year because he had the best ratios. He's the, the only of the, say the 35 save guys. He's the only one with an ERA under two. And the only one with a whip under one, so so he, that's why he's he's number one. But um, yeah, it looks like the closer pool is a is a, a good group of a lot of probably reliable closers. Yeah. And then it's like, are you going to pay a lot more for the extra reliability of Devin Williams than just waiting and taking Rizal Iglesias or someone like that? Not quite as not quite as good, not quite as reliable, but still really still pretty good, still probably sure. going to be fine.
1: Well, no. and the other thing is, we we didn't have the runaway saves leaders and runaway dominant mm-hmm. closers. We also had far fewer closer established closer disasters.
2: Too. That's it. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, so the pool was narrow that way too. Yeah. Um and it may be a mistake to con- assume that that's going to continue this year. That might be the one thing. We always I think one common mistake is we always replay the the previous year. And whether it's closers mm-hmm. or anything else or in, in any sport by the way too. You know fantasy football all the time. Well, this is the year of the, the running back, and then it turns out to be the rear of the wide receiver, and that happens okay. all the time. Uh, but uh, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. But I, my, I think there's like my reliable, my pool of reliable closers is somewhere between 12 to 15, and I want to get someone around eight to 10 among closers. So that means it's like an Alexis Diaz or a Paul Seawold or a Bednar. I don't know, Rhoda Chapman being on the Pirates, maybe I'm. Slightly concerned about that, but uh we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh I, I that's the I don't want to start a closer run. I don't want to get left completely behind, and maybe when it comes to main event, when we see that closer inflation come and it's real and spectacular, I'll get caught up in a little bit there. But I think I want to try to make sure I don't, you know, I don't want to spend too early of an asset on that because it's, it's when you don't get enough starting pitching, when you don't get enough offense, those are harder to catch up on than closers. It sucks not hitting closers when you're fabbing them constantly and like, okay, I'm secure, I'm safe, this is nice, I don't have to worry about that. But usually it comes at the sacrifice of another spot there, and I, I don't really want to do that. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, red starting pitching players. You are talking about uh, the, uh, the, the roster cr- crunch there, and it's real and spectacular. Before we do that, though, if you are listening to us on podcast form, this is where you're going to hear ads from our friends at the blue wire network.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day
1: call com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for Blue Wire for uh hosting our podcast. Blue Wire is a you know, great company. We like their studios in the Win actually in Vegas too. All right, let's talk Reds. Uh let's start off with our 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 thumbnail picture that is, if you're watching on YouTube, you saw this there. We don't hate Ellie Daly Cruz. I promise we don't. I'm a Reds fan. I love Ellie Daly Cruz. I don't love his cost. I don't love that he's going in the second round in 15-team leagues and and even in 12-team leagues. Not with the risk that's involved in terms of batting average, uh, roster, you know, batting lineup spot. I think with the Reds crowded infield, he is one of the players that is at risk of losing some playing time.
2: Um. Yeah, he, he could. Well, he could. <sighs> No one's going to take his playing time away, in my opinion. He he will take his own playing time away. Right. right? So the, and the he, fact
1: is, the Reds have options, though. They're not like. absolutely. They, yes. they, they can't like, oh, we just got to we got to write it out. No, they don't have to. That's the that's the that's Ellie's problem to, here. And let's set the table here. In the last month, Ellie LA Daly Cruz's uh, average draft position in the NFBC, is 22 with a range of 12 to 38. I will take him at 38. I have him a little lower than that even still, but I would I would consider it there. Yeah. Um but I don't think that's going to be an option for me in most leagues. I haven't seen it yet. Uh I'm not in those leagues where he goes later so far. Maybe it'll happen in labor in 2 weeks from now, but uh it, we, for me have, it's the strikeout.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, have we seen a guy like this in the recent years so like like just to get a, a picture of how not good he was. Um in July he hit 238 with a 686 OPS and like below 700 is not bad OPS mm-hmm. and then in August he hit 198 with a 663 OPS and in September he hit 200 with a 619 OPS like like he came up and played well in June and then was like a really bad offensive player in, in those regards like as far as like, like he was a bad offensive player he I mean if you want to say his base running made up for some things, how fast he was and the ability to generate runs, stealing bases and things like that. Um, I just, like he, he was, a, I don't know. It there's no, not really much else other way to put it. Like, like the reds can probably find a guy off the street right now who could give them a 700 OPS. And right. he didn't do that in any of the last three months of the season. So like, I, so when I do projections for L. De La Cruz, he does actually come out pretty high. It's just that, when you look at those projections, like it's all downside after that, like it's all downside. It's hard for him, It's going to be hard for him to beat those projections. And at this point, there's I, still an
1: upside beyond your projection though. There, I, is, yeah, there, there is, there is, there is. And I, and here's, here's the case in favor of him. Every single level that he's reached as a professional, he struggled initially and then got it. Um, second pure speed, third pure power. Those things all exist fourth he takes walks that helps that is that is something that i do like i mean i don't want a guy being overly passive and being confused but at the same time there are there there's there's growth growth potential here he, remember he was 21 years old how many yep. times have we seen year 1 to year 2 jumps i mean it, it does happen yep. that said your own second round price you're paying for it you're you're asserting that it will absolutely happen this year all that said i've got him as a 2040 guy this year still I just don't yep. have him as a, you know, I, I, I just, I have him hitting 249. That's an improvement, but that's still not a, that's not worth, that's still like a price of the, it's like a fourth round price in a 15 team league.
2: Yeah. He's also, because so much of his value is tied into steals. Um, if you, if you're going to draft him in the second round, like you're now going to plan your team a bit around him. So now you've got a 40 or 50 steal guy in the second round. Um, So he better come through because you're not going to draft, you're going to draft more steals, but you're not going to draft tons of steals because you don't need to run away with steals. So you don't need to draft him and two other 40 steel guys. Like you're going to run away with steals. That's there's no point in that. So if you're going to draft him, you're all in because he better Mm -hmm. come through because if he doesn't, you're not going to compete in steals. Like if you draft him and he ends up going back to the minors or something, I don't know. It's just really interesting as a second round pick, like just as a guy who's being drafted around, you know, like great players, like he's being drafted in and around Devers and Seeger and Lindor and a higher
1: than those in many cases. Right. Yes. Right.
2: So like he's being drafted, Austin Riley, like he's being drafted in with those players who are established stars. Um, but I get it. Like the projections say if he plays all year, he'll probably do that. Like if he, if he plays all year, he'll probably steal a really high amount of bases and hit 20 home runs. As long as his batting average doesn't totally kill you. If it's 240 or something like that, then sure it, it can all work. It's just, the risk is so great.
1: In right. We we're saying a lot of this about Bobby Witt last year. I'm just going to say, throw that out there yep. too. Oh, absolutely.
2: Bobby yep. Witt was basically a 700 OPS guy as a rookie. And then took off last year because he moved up to being an 800 OPS guy. And that hundred points in your OPS jump is huge.
0: Mm-hmm. And he,
2: he roughly did that last year. And then by doing that, that gave him the ability to produce more home runs, more stolen bases. Like he improved a lot. Yeah. Um, can Ellie do that? Like, we'll see. He's only, like he said, he just turned 22. Like,
1: is there a, a league format or a draft that a start to your draft where he makes more sense to take an early chance on him? Like, Yep. It, 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 like, and I'm, I'm trying to like, uh, Eric Halterman was on our Sirius XM show tonight, and he suggest he did a league where he went Acuna Ellie and, and Ellie at the two three turn, thinking that, hey, I may just have stolen bases taken care of with those two players. I'm going to get some from these other guys. Maybe it makes more sense to take a chance there, or maybe it makes more sense to take a chance on him in a you know, in a deeper league, a little bit more because you know he's got at at that in that case there maybe if you're p- picking him at the that two two three turn it's like 28, 29, 30, man maybe you know there's just it's harder to find difference makers maybe that's the argument or maybe the opposite is true I don't know that's what I'm I'm kind of fishing at is there is there a format is there a league size is there a draft strategy where he fits better than others?
2: Okay, so I would say like. The the place where he he fits the easiest would be the the 10-team leagues. Like, like if you want to take him in a 10-team league, he'd be, like, an early third or mid third-round pick. And there are a lot of those leagues out there. Like, I know they're not NFPC-style leagues, but there's a lot of leagues out there like that. So he'd be, like, a third-round pick. If he hits, awesome. But your team's probably loaded with good players. The waiver wire is flush. If he doesn't really work out, you can grind away and get quality production at shortstop you know without him and you look back and you're like oh i blew my third round pick but whatever like i i made up for it so that's the place where he's the easiest because just like i always say when i'm writing yahoo articles that in those yahoo 10 team leagues like just go for it because the waiver wire will be full of players and if you so if you strike out on some guys you know drop them and you can pick other guys up um you're not replacing them in the other leagues in a deeper league he could win you the league. Like in an NL, let's go all the way to NL only tout where he'll go for 33 or 35 bucks. Like he could win you the league because if he takes off. Um, but if he craps out, like it's it's tremendous. The loss of having like a $35 player who goes to the minors or something like that or hits right. ten, like It's just debilitating. Like you're not gonna win the league, probably at that point. So if you believe in Ellie, go for it. Like take him in NL tout. Because like you said, like he you get him for thirty three and if everything hit if everything hits on LA, he could be twenty seven homers and sixty steals. Like he could be tremendous. So go ahead and then I'll tell you, If you believe in him, take him. And then but it's all or nothing at that point. I'd
1: right? say so. he's more valuable in categorical leagues than he is in head to, oh, like head yeah, head points leagues. Sure. Because for the stolen sure. bases just don't walks. have as much value.
2: Yeah, even with the walks, for sure. He's yeah, yeah he, he's a pure roto stud. Like he could lead the majors in steals this year, and we yeah. wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he will, but he could. Okay, let's, let's talk look about at the rest of this infield because beyond Ellie, I start getting confused.
1: Yes. Okay. So the Reds have copious depth. Matt McClain is there. I love Matt McClain. My initial values had McClain over Ellie. By the way, okay. uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. But I kind of I tempered him a little bit recently, just to knock down the batting average a little bit. But still, Matt McClain is there. Uh, Jonathan India returns. A little bit out of favor with the team, but he's still going to play. They signed Heimer at Candelario this year in the offseason. Christian Encarnacion Strand is there. Noelve Marte is there. And I love Noelve Marte's skills. Uh, really splashed in his debut. He had a higher prospect pedigree two years ago than Ellie did. Now, Ellie surpassed it last year, but still. Marte is a stud. And Encarnacion Strand, all he did was hit as a red. Yet, both of these guys aren't guaranteed playing time.
2: Yeah. So so like if you look at their fan page, for example, like Ellie's playing, McLean's playing, Heimer Candelario was brought in. He's playing like. Right. He got paid. They, that's right. They brought him in. He's playing. So those three are playing. Marte's probably playing like if he plays well, he's probably mm-hmm. playing um, that leaves DH so Jonathan India is your DH and Carnassian strands on the bench on like on fan graphs, he's on the bench and Karnassian strand is too good to be on the bench. I agree. And he will not like, be on the bench. That exactly, is my project.
1: Like, That's my prediction.
2: Yeah. Like he held his own last year. Like it, when he came up, like first of all, he destroyed minor league pitching. Then he had an eight Oh five OPS in 63 games with the reds. And when you break it down and again, this is why what happens when you do your own projections, you start looking at where things, when he came up, he was just okay in September. 986 OPS. Like things yeah. started, he start, it looks like he started to get comfortable in the majors. Things started to take off for him in September. So, like, he could just hit so well that they're just like, well, we got to play Ankarnasian Strand. Sorry, Jonathan India, you're on the bench. Or, hello, Jonathan India, grab an outfielder's glove. And, right, this grab is
1: why everybody hand. projected India to get traded this off. I know, to help and then he pitching didn't. Help. well, there's yeah, got to so- be a market for him. You know, someone's got to trade for him, you know, and, and the Reds aren't gonna lowball it here. Um, no. and that's the other thing. Um, so that it's a problem. Noelve Marte. This guy's a stud. I love Noelve Marte. You know, this is a guy right off out of the word go. He hit you know, he hit 316, 366, 456 in his major league debut. He had a twenty percent K percentage, six and a half percent walk percentage. Okay, we'd like him to walk more, but He's making good contact. It's fine. He stole six bases in in 35 games. He can hit for, you know, he's coming off of an injury in winter league ball. And that may slow him in spring training a little bit. Something to watch for a little bit. That might be where they kind of, you know, you know, that might be a ease the pressure point a little bit, but not much. Um, And, you know, asking maybe strand or, or, you know, you know, you know, maybe uh, strand goes to the left field. Spencer steers in left. field.
2: Yep. You're not getting in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crowded too. Like yeah.
2: Spencer Steers in left field. TJ Friedel had a good year. He's, he's he your
1: their center fielder. Kid. He's the he's only guy that still. can play center really, truly. I mean, Fraley can stand in center, yeah. but he's not really a center. Fielder. And then they've got Fraley
2: and Will Benson. To
1: Someone's got to, to sit field. there. I mean, yeah, right. So, yes. you know, and that's why I'm downgraded Tyler Stevenson recently. DH is not open for him this year. No, he is not going to get any DH at bats. Um, nor is he going to get first base at bats. I mean that's the that thing. The Candelario yeah. signing. I mean, I like okay, yay. The Reds were spending money. Candelario is a useful player. He's good, but he's not.
2: Doesn't make any. It kind of didn't make any sense. Like, why would right. he be a pitcher?
1: Unless there's I someone else money. getting traded. That's that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, even if it was like, I don't want them to trade CES. I love Incarnacion Strand. But if they got a stud pitcher back in return for him, okay, I get it. Now I see why that signing makes a little bit more sense. But until then. Mm. any chance,
2: I'm, any chance Marte opens the season in triple a.
1: Yes. Cause he, the, the is scenario he is okay. He's hurt. He didn't, wasn't ready to play in spring training games to start. We need to get him some at bats. I see that lasting no longer than a month though. Um, well, but someone yet, will be
2: hurt. Someone will get hurt
1: like, or yeah, someone will get hurt or Ellie will slump. I mean, I, I do think Ellie has got to get off to a good start. If he gets it off to a good start, then it's no problem. Then then he's not the pressure point, but that's the thing is uh, they're just they got so many plausible options out there. I had to downgrade Fraley a little bit. I had to downgrade. You know, I I don't think even Steer maybe I should cut down a little bit. He played so much last year. He's not going to get. He's not. Last year there was you know he you know there's there's more playing time to hand out. There's not that this year.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. When I'm setting that's what it is. It's when you're setting it all starts with setting plate appearances for these guys. Um, and then, right. And then figuring out, mm-hmm. you know, how much they can produce per plate appearance. Um, I've been pretty conservative with a lot of them because of the log jam. And one of the guys I've been conservative with was Marte, just in the sense of like, could yeah. he spend April in the minors which would allow them to use third base to play other players and then get Encarnacion strand in the lineup every day and keep India in the lineup every day. And you would say like, why are you doing this to keep India in the lineup? But India is actually like an okay offensive player. He's, act- he's not bad.
1: Like, like he was hard. better. His, the problem is he's been yeah. hurt the last two years. He's also yeah. slightly declined each year. His rookie yeah. year was his best year.
2: His rookie year was his best year but last year was a 746 ops that's okay it's pl- four- yeah it's Cromwell fourteen steals yeah. in 100- with 14 steals and 119 games like so that's that's a decent offensive player he can run a bit like he can hit him in basically anywhere in the lineup like he's been their leadoff man a lot at times and um I don't know I just feel like like he's 27 he's not old like if you have him if you're not gonna trade him probably should play him a fair amount. He's only played second base as a fielding position, but I've got to think he could play some other spots or I don't know, or maybe he does DH. Um, But I think I just wondered like the way teams sometimes kind of, you know, put talent down in the minors at the beginning of the year, thinking of the long game. I wondered if Marte could start season in the minors that relieves the log jam. And you just play the odds that by the end of April, one of the guys that we've just talked about is on the IL. And then yeah. Marte's up, and then, and then and then you deal with it after that. Like like most teams, at most points in the season, have one of their starting guys on the IL.
1: I'm gonna make a facile compare uh, comparison here, and it's okay. gonna lead to a bri- It's gonna bridge us to our next topic. Okay. Also, it's similar to hold the whole Mike Trout. Where's Mike Trout? When's who's he gonna play for here? They've got options blocking him here. They've got Vernon Wells there. They've got Bobby Abreu there. At the end of the day, no one's standing in the way of that. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen with these young guys on the Reds. They'll figure it out. They'll figure out a way to make it work out. Um,
2: so you're ha- saying, I think I, I get it now. You're saying Marte is the next Mike Trout. I got it. I yeah, got that,
1: it. I got that's exactly away. what I was saying. Like Fastle comparisons for a 1,000, Alex. Yes. <laughs> Precisely what I was saying there. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, let's talk a little uh, Mike Trout, though, um, because this is the lowest he's ever gone. Average in the last month, his ADP in the NFF NFBC is 63. Mike Trout is at 63 right now. Yeah. My rankings actually have him lower than that. I've got him like at 80. Um, me too. I feel sac. It, it feels sacrilegious. I yeah, I feel like I owe it to him to have him a little bit higher. But not only do we have the usual health concerns and the lack of running, blah blah blah, but the team context around him sucks. I mean, sorry to use that language, but it's so bad. Uh, you know, there there are some interesting players, a couple of some interesting players in the Angels, but it's this is a sad team. This is this is going to be a really bad team this year.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in a, a really bad like if they find any, I think, glimmers of hope. Well, I guess I see some in the lineup, maybe, but I see them maybe more in some young pitchers that could improve. Um, right. That lineup is like, yeah, it's not good. It's not the worst in baseball because that's my trope, but. Like yeah. when you just look Oakland's at Oakland's worse, but still. Yeah. Luis Frenjifo ahead of him in the lineup. Anthony Rendon's going to miss most of the season. Let's just assume that right from the get go. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't know how or why, but he will. Um Brandon Drury, like, meh, like, but a middle of the order bat. Like Taylor Ward's mm. a solid baseball player, but again, but he had
1: like, a big come down last year.
2: He did. Yeah. And then beyond that, like Logan O'Hoppy could actually be a pretty valuable fantasy catcher. He could have 20 home runs, but that again, but you know, in a real baseball perspective, like he's not a huge lineup member. Like, I don't know, it's a bad lineup. It's a bad lineup. And then Mike Trout gets hurt every year. <sighs> the problem is, is like often when I would project Trout, I would be like, well, he gets hurt a lot. So I'm only going to project him for like 120 games, 125 games. But the 125 games are going to be awesome. Like in those 125 games, he's going to hit 35 or 40 home runs. Well, last year he played. 82 games he hit 18 home runs mm-hmm. you know you prorate that out to 125 games actually not that many home runs and he doesn't steal bases at all he hit 263 last year that's the other huge change is uh you know last that that 263 sticks out he hasn't done anything like that since his rookie season yeah. um it's just there's just nothing everything's trending down as long as he's on the angels he's coming off not a great year he gets hurt all the time his lineup stinks I, I, I'm gonna pass on him. Like, like when you said pick 63, so he'll be there around the four or five turn when we pick in labor. And like, I don't think either one of us are gonna take him.
1: He I'm may sure. not be that. He Wild. he may yeah. He may be he may be there in our next round of picks too. It's possible. We'll see. Yeah, I've got him for 116 games. Uh, I still have him hitting 30 homers. Uh,
2: okay. But then the RBI and the run score totals just can't be that great in that amount of games in that offense. Too. That's right. Yeah. So, and at 30 homers, like, it's just not, not, yeah. So I have them around 30 homers too, but I have the RBI and the run totals around 70. And yeah, I've got just,
1: 69 RBI, 78 runs, but that, and that feels kind of heavy actually. It's not very good for no. a fifth round pick. And
2: then the batting average is now just fine. Like maybe it's 270, 280. It's like, it's not 300 anymore. Like, like I said, it used to be, we're like, well, he's going to get hurt or he might get hurt, but when he's healthy, I'll probably get thirty-five or forty homers in a three-hundred average, but yeah, now you, you're not. So I don't. It's it's it, it it sucks. He's the best player in this generation, right? But yeah,
1: and yeah, just he still so has, little he to still go has for it. a
2: career OPS around thousand. Yeah, right? he, he's
1: amazing. He's That's had a great career. Just doesn't. Can
2: they just please trade him? They're not going to. They already said they're not going to. But
1: at least not this off season. They need him to be lighting it up and then Maybe. trade him. I think that's that's probably it there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh I, I don't know. Uh here's something we may not agree on. Miami Marlins. Okay. I'm I'm very cynical about the Miami Marlins. This is the team that got outscored last year but made the playoffs. Uh and then the, the extent of their offseason here here's here's no offseason for th- here are their offseason uh, additions this year. Trey Mancini. That's it. Sorry. There's no more. Just Trey Mancini. That's it. That's all they added this off season.
2: So far. I don't think they're done, but so
1: I have time now, guys, (laughs) I have
2: some, I think, well, I could say that about a bunch of teams. There's still a lot of free agents out there uh, that are going to sign here in the next three weeks or so. Hopefully, hopefully next 10 days, but they won't. We know that drives us that baseball off season drives is still driving me nuts. Like how do we, no other sport is like this. Like we're right right knocking on the door of spring training and, like really, really good players are still unsigned. Like it's just, and again, now we have stability. Like we, like we talked about, we have we have rule stability. We've got financial stability. We've got health stability. Like in society, like like sign these guys. Come on, Cody Bellinger, Jordan Montgomery. Some of these guys are really good baseball players. Sign them. Who wants them? Blake like somebody Snell them.
1: still out there. It's, Jorge Soler. The baseball season
2: stinks. Like it does. It absolutely stinks. It used to be great. Like most of the guys would sign in November, and then we'd have winter meetings, and there'd be some trades. And well, the
1: then- winter meetings was a bigger deal back
2: then. It was, yeah, yeah. That's and then the we thing. go into like kind of a lull, like every other sport. Every other sport, the guys sign, and there's some trades, and then there's just a lull where you just ignore the right. sport for a while, and then you get ready for for the start of, of training. But th- this baseball offseason, we're just, yeah, like we're g- we're going to go into spring training and have good players not signed. There will be good players not signed till March.
1: Yeah, it used it to be that we'd sweat things. one player by yeah. the magazine deadline. Yeah, which is basically yeah. this week. Yeah. Um and you know, I remember, you know, then one time like Victor Martinez ripped his knee up in off-season workouts and that we had to change everything while we're at the FSTA conference in Vegas and all that. We're like changing everything there. Um Choshien has made a good point about this, um that one of the reasons why other sports have a more compressed signing period is because they have A cap um and because they have a limited salary pool now i think we have a similar a de facto cap with these luxury taxes uh so i still think there's a limited pool of money out there and some teams just don't even come close to spending that hello a's pirates other teams out there that never even spend up anywhere close there's no salary floor is the problem uh but if you wanted to have, you know, in those, in basketball, there's a limited pool of money that they have to go and get. And yep. so that's why, like, I think, you notice, like the top three free agents are all Boris clients and he likes to drag it out. A lot of the, it's not just on the teams, it's on the agents too.
2: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Assuming yeah. these guys have been offered contracts and, Right. Or at least I guess at least had phone calls where Boris throws out these ridiculous numbers and then they're like, okay well, forget it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, can I sign your guy? Well, yeah, but for X and he's there like, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, So, hey, so, hey, so you're still optimistic, though, on the on the Marlins. I am not.
2: I think that the Marlins can pitch and I think sometimes we get a little too. In baseball, we all get a little too wrapped up in lineups. I think the Marlins can pitch. Like, I think Lazardo could be really good. Perez mm-hmm. could be really good. We'll see. I, I like Braxton Garrett. Edward Cabrera. I, I haven't totally given up on. I don't like him in fantasy because he walks so many batters. But right. from real-life perspective, we'll see if Trevor Rogers can bounce back. His projections, actually, on some of the projection systems are pretty good. I kind of like the bullpen. Like I, I think they have some interesting arms in there. Like Tanner Scott's been pretty good, and Nardi was good last year. Puck was, I think. His, I think his their best
1: re, best three, maybe even four relievers are all lefty. It's odds. But
2: they have Anthony Bender, who's not bad, who's a righty. And if you're if you're gonna have to go out and get a guy, it's easier to get a righty than a lefty.
1: Um, yeah, true. And then true. in
2: their lineup, I just see like if Jazz Chisholm could stay healthy, big mm-hmm. if. But he, like he's shown like some real potential the last couple of years. He just can't stay healthy um Jake Berger could be a 30 homer guy Josh Bell like who knows he goes through these stretches of goodness or badness or whatever but Luis Arias is a way better real life baseball player than a fantasy player he's good in fantasy but not like he is in real life because of his ability to get on base um right Brian De La Cruz is okay it's it's not an amazing lineup but I think if they added that's an
1: understatement I still yeah. think it's a bad lineup.
3: I think
2: I like, here's what I'll say I like their pitching staff, and I think the lineup has some glaring holes that could be easily addressed. And maybe they won't address them. But if they like a signed, shortstop, shortstop and DH, if they <laughs> got a shortstop in a DH or a shortstop in an outfielder, like I think they would be.
1: Who's the know, shortstop they're going to get, though?
2: Could they just get Ahmed Rosario? Like he's way probably way better than John Birdie goes back to utility. Yeah. I don't think Ahmed okay, Rosario that's is awesome he is
1: out there. That's point. another free agent. That's yes, out there. you're right.
2: And I don't think he's super expensive. Like yeah. if they added Ahmed Rosario and Jorge Soler, I think they would be really cooking with gas with that pitching staff. Again, mm-hmm. the pitching staff's not like incredible. I don't know. I just see this. I feel like people are out on them. I think they're going to hang around, and because they can pitch, I think they're going to hang around in the wild card race. They're not going to threaten the Braves. But I think they'll hang around in the wild card race, especially if they just add. And because they haven't done anything this offseason, I feel like maybe they're primed in the next few weeks to just add a couple guys who are just just solve those absolutely glaring holes. I don't know. Maybe I'm too optimistic on them, but
1: Tim Anderson or Ahmad Rosario. Who do you got as a, a available free agent shortstops?
2: I'll take Rosario. I think he's just I don't know what Tim Anderson is anymore. Yeah, so, I so if I'm a team like the Marlins and I like, like need a guy and like, I don't have the money just, if he doesn't work out, I got to have to go get someone else mid season or something. Like, I think I'll just take Rosario Rosario won't be awesome, but he won't be terrible either. Like Cleveland batted him in the top two or three spots in their lineup a lot in the last few years. Okay. So, is
1: that, uh, is that something that speaks more no. about Cleveland than Rosario <laughs> or. No.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Rosario can be just for them. Like, okay, he's younger. Um, I think yeah he's younger but with experience I think he could just be like okay but yeah he's certainly not a good hitter his career OPS is 708 yeah. so he's a pretty average hitter who like a bit who can steal some bases but but in their lineup if he was hitting like seventh like that's fine to me like that's fine I don't know I just see maybe Arias Josh Bell Jazz Chisholm like as a top three could could be okay if if Jazz Chisholm stays healthy I don't know maybe I'm too fantasy swayed on Jazz Chisholm too just because. I I think the price
1: is right on jazz Chisholm this year. I actually, I will get him in some leagues um, for the first time ever. He's going in the sixties right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last year he was going like 15, 20 picks earlier. So I'm willing to pay it here, but uh, I don't know. Um,
2: know. Maybe uh, I'm too optimistic on the Marlins. I I it's more the pitching staff. Like I could just see, I just feel like that could be a good pitching staff i think there's some potential there yeah i think think... obviously has oodles of potential yeah
1: that's true we have some news today uh we're not going to get to all of our bullet points on our outline by the way Uh, i i know this shocks you for next week Uh, exactly they're evergreen evergreen content here um bobby witt signs a big long-term deal jose altuve signs a, a contract extension uh uh interesting to see some guys get their get their uh coin i'm happy for that There, happy to see like the royals spend some money this is the biggest contract easily that they've ever spent your reaction
2: um that's great i think signing bobby witt super smart for them i think the price was fair um he has opt-outs so at first i was like "Ah, bobby witt are you sure you want to commit to this franchise for that long but it has opt-outs so it, I, I don't think it has any opt-outs till he's about 30 so it's going to take him through his 20s um so good for him he, he's paid he's set for life he's made a ton of money um he'll be the leader of that franchise hopefully that franchise can get on track they have not made you know effective personnel moves uh in the last many years right um it's hard to believe that less than 10 years ago they won a world series
1: right but, i know
2: it's because since then i feel like everything they do is wrong but yeah
1: yeah, it, it, they had a two year run because the year after they were competitive yeah, uh, the year before they were competitive and the year. before, yeah. So a three year run in the year after they were competitive, yeah. too. I remember they traded for Johnny Cueto um, from the Reds okay. there and yeah. the Reds got a bag of beans for it for him, too. That didn't work out for the Reds. Uh, but, you know, it's still, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see they this is they have a, they got a new owner about four years ago. And this is good that he's spending some money. They got to figure out if they can develop pitching. The Cole Reagan's experience so far is a promising sign. Uh, we'll see what, what they do with their, you know, how, how they how they kind of go. But they had like a whole generation of draft picks pitching, draft pick pitchers that all failed. Like Aza Lacey, you know, guys like that that just never developed. Uh, you know, uh, and some, you know, a couple of them are still in the organization, but it's, they got to figure out development a lot better because you know yes they signed wit and good for them that they they kept their own and they actually spent some money on like seth lugo and michael yeah. waka this offseason so they're you know they're they're not the white Sox they're not the uh a's they're not uh, the pirates good for them for that at
2: least i so for me they're yeah they're my view on them is the opposite of the marlins i feel like people are a little in on them because they mm-hmm. signed waka lugo hunter renfro adam frazier garrett hampson those are sure. five guys they signed that are all supposed to be on the opening day roster. I don't know. I kind of looked at all that and was like stuck my nose in the air. Oh, sorry. Will Smith. Let's not forget about him. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I didn't like it. I don't really like it. I just – I'd almost rather they just forget all those guys. They signed like one good guy or something or two good guys. I don't know. Like or pretty good guys instead of all of those guys. I don't know. I didn't
1: – But is that it. possible? Can they do that though? Let
2: uh, me – What not.
1: what What guy – that qualifies the as that is going yeah. to sign with the Royals over another
2: team. No, it's true. I, well, I'd have to sit and add up the money. I'd have to go back and look at how my players will usually sign where they get paid. I don't know. Yeah, that,
1: That's true. That's true. I mean, but they, no. they will have to overpay to win. No, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. my point. And, Yamamoto's and never going to the Royals. Let's just put it that oh, way.
2: Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Would Jordan Montgomery go to the Royals? Maybe if that's, if that's who paid him the most, if
1: they, yeah, if they give him that extra yeah. year, you know, yeah. and, that's true. Yeah. That yeah. Like that level,
2: you. but that's and that's way, in my opinion, way above Seth Lugo. Way above yeah, Mike but, Well, critics. he is,
1: but the yeah. the question is, and, and but that's still whether they can do that if yeah. they if he still yeah. will sign with them. That's what sort of market is that? Are they or are they just going to get used? as like, hey, the, this team is offering this, and then some other contender comes and says, okay, we'll mm-hmm. match that, or and then he goes I, there, and then I, the Royals I, get nothing. Cause then Lugo yep. signed somewhere else and walk like Lugo on his merits interests me some,
2: okay. Okay, so you're kind of buying it on him. I a will give bit. the Royals credit that, like, like, like they're like you said, they're now not the White Sox. And they, and they, if you want to get a guy like Bobby Witt to commit to your team through the rest of his 20s, like you may have to show him some signs that you're not the White Sox. So they've created maybe a bit of a floor. I mm-hmm. still think maybe they're only the fourth best team in their division, but they've, maybe they've created a bit of a floor to like be bad, but not embarrassing, bad, but not terrible, like below average, but not right. But not is
1: that a worthy goal is the question then? I don't yeah. know.
2: Maybe it's all part. We'll see. Like it's not our money. So and these aren't mm-hmm. long-term contracts. So maybe it's all part of the process of, of digging yourself out. Yeah. out of The basement. Right. Just and part like, of their
1: problem is their farm system, which was at one point considered to be like, Oh, they're loaded. It's not anymore. No, in fact, it's the opposite of that. If you look at James Henderson's prospect rankings, they don't have anybody in the top his top one hundred and fifty. Think, hear that again? No one in the top one hundred and fifty. That's barren. Holy crap! I didn't realize it was that bad. Did anyone Um, tell
2: this to Bobby Witt before he signed that contract?
1: Well, Bobby Witt and Vinny P were the two guys, you know, were guys that were yeah. supposed to help lift them up. It's the yeah. pitching. Again, it's all these oh, investments yes, that they had yep. uh on the pitching side that just didn't pan out. You know, whether it's uh, you know, as I mentioned, Aza Lacey, who I don't think he's even gonna make the majors. Daniel Lynch hasn't mm-hmm. worked out, uh, you know, Jordan Kowar, uh Jackson yes, Kowar, Jackson excuse Kowar. me. Um yeah. Chris Bubich is hurt, unfortunately. Alec Marsh. He was, he was, you know, Bubich looked like the guy that might be that guy last year and then he got hurt and so yeah. now we'll never know. Uh our, our James's top-rated prospect is Blake Walters and he's at 158. The next guys at 280. It's not even like they have a slew Whoa. of guys in the 1 <laughs> the, like the 100 to 200 range or anything yeah. like that. Holy cow, that's terrible. That's, that's, that's forbidden. So I
2: guess maybe the maybe maybe in a glass half full scenario they can trade Seth Lugo and Michael Waka for some prospects at the deadline. Okay. If they're healthy, they, they won't get anyone amazing for them. But if those guys are both healthy, they're serviceable number four starters, you know, on contending teams, maybe they can get something for them at the deadline. Right.
1: How does so they, they not even them- have like a guy that was drafted first round last year is like in there in that. Right. Class
2: and- yeah. How do they not have you're right. Cause they've been not very good for a few years. Like how do they not have some studs that they took, Really high in the last two or three years, right? Like a few. Yeah. Of them. I don't know.
1: Like, I'm trying to look to see who did they take last year. uh And the, you know, just maybe I'm underrating, you know.
2: Like, Bobby Witt was drafted way back in 2019. So there were players drafted in 2020, 2021, etc cetera. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. how are there not some studs based on how bad they've been?
1: Yeah. So Blake Mitchell was a catcher as uh, pick, take, Eighth overall, James hat, doesn't look upon him too kindly. Okay. Doesn't have him in his top four hundred, and he was eight. He was the eighth pick in the draft, so he, he panned that pick obviously pretty much there. And then, if you look, he did struggle last year in the minors. He uh, had a 599 OPS and only eighteen game or thirteen games as an eighteen year old. Uh, but yeah, you know, he, he's known for being a plus catcher receiver, but not necessarily a hitter. That's kind of a problem when you've got a top 10 pick in the draft.
2: Yeah. You should aim, probably aim higher than that. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It just seems, seems like the Royals are conti- signing Bobby. Witt's great. They're really far away, really far away from contending even to win the division. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah.
1: sorry to end on such a downer. I think we're going to end on that note though. Cause and we'll save a lot of our other stuff for future podcasts. We can rip on the giants next time. Uh, for instance, you know, we don't have to, we can take our time doing that. Uh, same with the Padres. Oh, so yeah that, that we yeah we've got i mean i understand that i wanted you know i'm i was happy that they tried to go for it it's a shame that they didn't get the results because i i want teams that go for it to be rewarded um but yeah. we'll we'll discuss that more later uh guys great stuff for those of you that were streaming with us and uh, commenting in the chat super appreciate it there uh we'll do a lot more q a as the season goes along um big thanks to fan for sponsoring us there and again You you wanna if you got a like a dynasty league and you wanna just check it out for free, go ahead, check it out. Fantracks.com slash rotowire. Um, and we would I'm excited. We're just we're back, baby. It's fun talking baseball. So every Tuesday, uh, unless like I'm traveling for work or something, Fred and I will be here together. We'll probably have a different host with Fred next week. So um, because I'll be at the FSGA conference in Vegas next week. But uh on Thursday, I'm gonna have Eric Halterman here. We're gonna talk about the new Rotowire roundtable rankings that'll be up on the site by then.